Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Emotionally Online. It's me, your host, the sexy and effortlessly lovable Maddie Drosberg. <laughs> I'm laughing because of the day that I've had. If you're watching the video version, you might be able to tell that I definitely look like I've been crying, or maybe I don't look like I've been crying. Manifesting, no puffiness. Have I been crying for the last five hours on and off? Yes. Guilty. <laughs> I'll admit it. But um, I'm okay. Not to worry any of you or concern any of you. I just, I've had a little sad girl moment today. Crying is good. I always feel so much better after I cry. It feels like such an extreme release to me. Um, I often feel like the only way to like get to the other side and to genuinely feel better and heal is to sob uncontrollably for a little bit. And like, just let it all out. <laughs> um, yeah, I've had a rough week. I'll be honest. I almost posted on my Instagram being like, yeah, no podcast this week, guys. I'm so sorry. There's no shot I'm filming today. Because earlier this afternoon when I was really going through it, I was like, God damn, the last thing I want to do right now is be on camera. <laughs> the very last thing that I want to do right now is hit the record button, share my life with other people. Um, but here I am because at the end of the day, doing this would make me feel better. <laughs> doing the thing I love, being able to sit and chat and just have a little fun moment um, is going to feel good to me. And I want so badly to talk about what happened in Love Island this week because we're at Casa Amor. And that really is the pinnacle of what would make me happy. I was talking to my friends today. I was like, Love Island is what's keeping me afloat right now, babes. Like I am a bitch is going through it this week. I'll be fine next week. Like it's a bad day, not a bad life vibe, but sincerely Love Island is what's getting me through <laughs> everything right now. I love that stupid fucking show so much. <laughs> I'm going to be so sad when this season is over because looking forward to watching Love Island every day at 4 p.m. is genuinely what is keeping me sane. I saw some sort of TikTok that was like, the super moon is coming. You're going to be really sad this week. And I was like already feeling like shit a few days ago. So I was like, oh no, it's going to get worse. <laughs> Not that I really like take to heart what people on TikTok say to me, but I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? I had a vibe that it was going to get worse and this TikTok just confirmed it for me. <laughs> um, I'm fine, by the way. I don't need anybody to worry about me or like feel sad for me because I'm sad. Although that's very sweet and I do appreciate that me being sad would evoke any kind of emotion in people through the internet. Um, I'm, I'm just having one of those weeks where my insecurities, the demons inside my brain, the worst parts of me, um, are like having their way with what ifs. Um, I think that I've just had a time this week, um, Last week, I was feeling particularly spunky, a little adventurous, a little crazy, 
and I got the courage to ask someone out on a date that, um, I mentioned this in the last episode. They said, yes, we went on the date. Um, and it was a good date. I had a great time. Um, they're a very cool person, but they ultimately just see me as a friend and that's totally fine. I'm cool with that. Um, but yeah, of course I'm going to have an emotional reaction to experiencing rejection and it's actually not even this individual rejection that makes me sad. It rarely ever is, you know, like I don't go out with people on one date or a few days. This is someone that I've known for a few years. Um, and we have some sort of history there as well, but like, I don't know him well enough to be like, yeah, I really wanted him. I really felt a connection, you know, like I knew I was interested and I wanted to go on dates and explore what was there. Um, but like, ultimately I don't know if I felt anything or not. So it's not that like this rejection is like really earth shattering to me in the sense of like this specific person rejecting me hurts. It's not that, um, it's really just like a, an exhaustion that comes from being single and dating. If you're single and dating, you know, this feeling that is the feeling that is taken over my whole body today. <laughs> um, yeah, it's exhausting. Like going through the process of meeting people and getting to know someone and then, you know, meeting people who are like, I love your personality. I think you are so cool. I would love to be your friend. Also, you're super hot and I would love to fuck you. But ultimately, I'm not romantically interested in you. And I'm like, word. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it doesn't feel great. At the end of the day, like you can't if you're not into me, you're not into me. If you're not attracted to me, you're not attracted to me. Like, that's fine. I can't control those things. I am who I am. I can't change myself. Like, uh, lots of people are going to be head over fucking heels for me. And I just have to find those people. And like, if this isn't it, this isn't it. That's fine. But the repetitiveness and the exhaustion of like meeting another person and having it not be the right thing, um, just like sucks. And, yeah, I've definitely just had a moment today of being like, how many more not the right things do I have in me? <laughs> how much more can I possibly deal with? <laughs> Ultimately, I, you know, I don't really think anything can break me, break me, even though I have moments where I'm like, holy shit, my head's going to fall off and fucking maybe it might, but I'll screw it back on. Like, I'm not that worried for myself. <laughs> I believe in myself I'll back myself you know like I know that I'm so worthy of love and there's so many things to love about me and there are so many people who are going to be head over fucking heels for me and obviously like you've got to deal with rejection and meeting people that are not the right thing in order to find the thing that is so good and so right for you um, does it make dealing with rejection and stuff that is not working easier? No, <laughs> it doesn't. Um, I think sometimes I just feel like exhausted by my own brain because I'm like being 
so certain of what you want and having high standards is a great thing, but it is also like exhausting because I'm like the odds of me meeting someone where it's like they check all my boxes and I check all theirs. It feels like so fucking unlikely, (laughs) which maybe is the point, you know, like you're, I am intentionally narrowing down the pool of people that I want to date and that will want to date me um, so that I can find the right person and be in a relationship that makes me feel fulfilled and not one that makes me feel like I want to fucking die. Um, All good things, right? But yeah, sometimes I do feel sort of exhausted by my own brain and I feel exhausted that I care so much and I feel, yeah, it's just a lot if you know, you know, (laughs) I don't know how else to put it. And, um, I've just been having one of those days where I'm just feeling a little sad, a little defeated and had myself a good cry. I've talked to my friends, talked to my family. I'm very well taken care of. I have a lot of people in my corner. My therapist and I are going to have a fun day on Friday. Um, (laughs) I've been trying to reframe the feelings a lot. I have like a notes app in my phone of like reframes that I really like. And one of the reframes that I have liked today is, um, you know, when dealing with rejection, the idea that like, if you knew that you needed to experience 10 more rejections to find the person that was totally right for you, you would be celebrating each one of those rejections because it means you're one step closer one person closer to finding the person who's going to make you feel totally wrapped up and loved and um, who wants to be with you because you deserve that. You deserve someone who wants to be with you and who thinks that you are just the coolest fucking person ever. I deserve that. I'm not going to cry. Um, and yeah, it feels good to think of it as like, It's not personal. Like, we don't even know each other well enough for this to be personal, to be totally honest. Um, It is just like a, we're not the right fit. And that's great because it means that I am one step closer, one person closer to finding the right fit for me. Um, Obviously, even with the reframes and like the positive attitude there's always going to be a large part of me that's like, but why? But why did this need to happen? But why did all of this need to happen? Why could I not be someone who just, this was not a problem of mine? Why couldn't this just be easy for me? And I could just meet someone cool that thinks I'm cool and we could be happy together. (sighs) I just wish it was easy. And you know what? Someday it is going to be easy. Someday it's going to be so fucking easy. And all of this is going to be so worth it. (laughs) Um, But until then, I will have my little sad day. (laughs) I will be sad and I will talk about Love Island. And I also, another reframe when I start to get too deep into like the, but why? But why is this happening? Why can't I just have something good? When I get too deep into that spiral, another sort of reframe that I like to think about um, is just that like, the timeline for my life has looked different than other people's in a lot of other ways too that are more positive 
Like, I feel like I've experienced, especially in the last year and a half, a lot more career success than most people would have at age 25. I live in an apartment that is much nicer than what somebody would have at my age. Like, there are other parts of my life where I have experienced an abundance of positivity sooner than maybe most people would. So if my life timeline looks different than other people's, that's okay. You know, like I don't need to compare myself to other people and be like super upset because I haven't met the right person for me yet. Um, because there are so many things that I have experienced in my life that other people won't experience, you know, for years to come. And yeah, it makes me feel better to just be like, this isn't everything and you have so much good in your life. And I was saying to my best friend that like when things like this happen, which it hasn't in a very long time because I've been the one to reject everyone that I've gone out with this year, except for one, um, he moved. Boo. Um, but when things like this happen, it's rarely because of like the actual situation like I said, like this isn't someone that I have feelings for or that things were even progressed far enough along for me to have feelings for. Um, obviously, I had a little crush. There's interest there. That's why I asked him out on a date. Um, but ultimately, like it's still such an early stage that there's not an emotional investment there yet. So my sadness isn't because this feels like a heartbreak in any way. My sadness more or less comes from the fact that this brings up sad thoughts for me, like the negative voices in my head that are, you know, that want to tell me that I'm unlovable um, and that there's something wrong with me that makes me unlovable. Like that's why I feel sad today. Because I just wish that it was easy. I wish that I didn't have to deal with those thoughts. I wish that like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to start crying. But. I just feel like. I know. All that I need to know. Right. I know that rejection is redirection. I know that the right person for me. Is out there. I totally get that sometimes like you either feel it or you don't and oftentimes it is not personal at all and like I've been in situations where someone has been really great and I just don't feel it I haven't felt connection in that way I felt like we were more better off as friends I totally get it seriously no hard feelings it's totally fine whatever keep it moving I can know all of those things. I can believe all of those things like and still feel sad and feel whatever I'm going to feel like sometimes there's just nothing that can be said. Um, I know I'm a catch. I know that I am beautiful, wonderful, gorgeous. I can list out a hundred things I like about myself, you know, like if I wasn't me, I would jump to date me. I think that whoever ends up with me is going to be so fucking lucky. Like it is such a gift to be loved by me. And I know this. No one can take that away from me. I know that. And I, I know I'm great. I know it's not personal. 
some things just aren't the right fit. I know all of that. I'm still going to be sad today. And that's okay. And tomorrow I'll feel a little better. The next day I'll feel a little better. And in a week this will not matter to me. Um, But today, yeah, I do just feel a little exhausted and a little defeated and a little like, how much more can one bitch take before she goes full gone girl? I'll be honest, mates. (laughs) Um, I think the thing that I've been thinking about the most, I just got off the phone with my best friend before recording this, and I was saying to her, like, I don't want rejection to scare me. I don't want it to hold me back from continuing to put myself out there and it won't. Um, but sometimes I, I do wonder like when I have that thought of like how much more can I take? I have that thought because I, I am scared that someday I will stop putting myself out there and that I will stop or that I will, I will be too scared to be myself. Um, cause I've been that person before, you know, like I've been scared to be myself before I've been scared of rejection before and I just feel like I'm a different person now and I want to hang on to the person that I am right now because I really like her um I really like this me I like the person that I am I like the person that I show up as on dates I feel like I've been really vulnerable I've been really true to myself like I just feel like I have totally showed up for myself in the way that I needed to Ugh. Now I'm going to cry just because I love myself. (laughs) But like in all seriousness, like I do feel really happy with the ways that I have acted and the ways that I've shown up and been true to myself and been true to how I feel. And like I have done and said everything that I wanted to do and say, I do not have a single regret. And I would so much rather say what I need to say, do what I need to do, hold back nothing and experience rejection, then years down the line have regret for all the things I didn't do and say. I am like so proud of myself for being brave and for pushing myself out of my comfort zone and for asking someone out that I've been interested in for a long time. Like I am, I never would have done that a few years ago. I never would have fucking done that. And I'm just really proud of who I've become and I really like myself. I like this version of me. I think she's fucking cool. And like, I just really hope that I can get good at rejection or not good, right? Like who's ever great at rejection, but I just hope that I can like take it in stride and really like, I do like that reframe of if you knew that you had 10 rejections until the thing that was going to make you the happiest like you would be celebrating those rejections I like that and like I just hope that I can keep going and keep putting myself out there because I mean listen I'd be lying if I said there weren't moments over the last two months where I've been like ready to quit dating again um obviously last year I quit dating And I had the greatest year of my fucking life. (laughs) 
And it would be really easy for me to go back to that because I know I'm good on my own. I'm great when I'm alone. Um, but that's easy. And I don't want to lean into that because it's easy for me because I'm good by myself because I'm comfortable being alone. Like I want to challenge myself to be in more, I don't know, spaces outside of my comfort zone. And I want to let rejection empower me and I don't know I just I want to really lean in to the positive side of my brain I guess I'm what I'm saying sorry I'm all over the fucking place but I'm I guess I'm just trying to reframe the way I think a little bit and being like I believe so many good things about myself I believe that I am so lovable and worthy of love and that there is like an endless list of things that are great about me and I want to keep those things at the forefront in the face of rejection so that you know obviously there's an ego burn that comes with rejection that you can't get rid of but after that goes away and you have your sad moment like I I want to just keep remembering and keep at the at the front of my brain that like I am lovable. I am so worthy of love. I am loved. I am loving. I am lovable forever, permanently. Nothing can change that. And like me being myself and putting myself out there and being true to myself is all I can do. All I can do is be myself. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. You know, like I cannot be anyone else. I have tried. That's a song lyric. (laughs) Isn't it? What's that fucking song? Heaven knows I've tried. (laughs) No, fucking. Oh, my God. Was that just frozen that I just sang? This is what we need. We need a good little lap today. What the fuck am I talking about? Okay. Anyways, I wouldn't say that I'm bad at rejection either like I I actually don't think I'm bad at rejection or dealing with rejection I think I'm fine with it all honestly I think more than anything I just have a fear of like becoming jaded or becoming hardened and like I have a fear of losing hope I haven't and I don't think I will But yeah, there is some part of me that maybe it's like I feel protective of myself, of my past self, of my inner child, of like the versions of myself that are hurting, of the versions of myself that I'm like angry for. Like I I feel like I talk a lot about like being angry for my 18 year old self, for, you know, the, the way I was introduced to sex and dating for the first time and how I feel so mad that people weren't gentle with her because I so deserved that and I so wanted that and like people should have been more delicate with me they just should have it's what I deserved that's what my 18 year old self would have needed and so there's like the pain from that and then there's like all these other things too that keep like popping up into my memory like I think about the first time that I ever set a boundary in a relationship what happened um And even that makes me feel uncomfortable. We were like friends with benefits and um, he tried to fuck my roommate. 
and obviously i was like whoa (laughs) can we not do that (laughs) and i called him on the phone because i was like let me be so direct about this we've been hooking up for five months and you just tried to have sex with my roommate i was giving him the benefit of the doubt because i didn't know that he knew who she was it was all on a dating app so it's like not like he knew like oh that's maddie's roommate he had met her before so but i was gonna give him the benefit of doubt and i just called him and i was like listen i know we're not serious i know we're not together but like can you please not try to fuck my roommate while we're seeing each other like uh that doesn't make me feel good i would just rather you know if you're gonna see other people one make it not be my friends and two like if you're having sex with a ton of other people I would like to be included in that conversation because I am also having sex with you. So if there are a lot of other women that you're hooking up with, I need to know for like the concern of my own sexual health. So just like let a bitch in on what's happening here. And um, yeah, he hung up the phone on me and I was being really nice to him. I was being like very kind. I was so scared. I was in my bed shaking I was like 21 at the time, I think. And I was in my bed shaking. I was trying so hard to be like assertive, but also be like kind because we weren't uh, in a serious relationship, but I knew that I needed to set a boundary and he hung up the phone on me and then sent me this text about how like he hopes I find what I'm looking for, but, uh, he can't give it to me. I'm just like too much or I, I want too much or I don't even know. Cause I didn't really want to be with him. Um, I just wanted him to not have sex with my roommate. Anyways, he was emotionally stunted. <laughs> it's, it's like, but anyways, the reason why I bring that up is just because like, I'm sad for that version of myself too. I'm sad that that was my first experience being brave enough to set a boundary the first time I was ever brave enough to say, hey, that's not okay with me, I got the phone hung up on me. Like, that sucks. That so sucks. And I deserved better than that. I deserved better than that in a lot of different ways. But like, at the very least, God, don't hang up the phone on me. Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of moments like that where I look back on my life and I'm just like, I didn't deserve that. I didn't. And so there's like pain that I carry from my past selves. And sometimes when I start to get sad in the way that I felt sad today, it feels like I have all these versions of myself rattling around inside me and it's my job to take care of all of them. Ah. (laughs) It's like my job to make sure that my like inner child is okay and that these versions of myself are okay and uh yeah sometimes it just feels like a lot um and I get scared that someday it'll be too much and I will lose hope in love and I know I won't it's just not who I am but there is that fear you know that like Someday it's going to be too much for me. It's going to feel like too much to bear. Too much to carry. I'll be fine. Genuinely. But yeah. There is some fear associated with like this arbitrary breaking point. And like fear of reaching it. Fear of becoming someone that is too afraid to be myself. And to 
go out and ask for what I want because I have had unfortunate experiences that I did not deserve. Um, not saying that this is one of them either, by the way, like this guy is genuinely super fucking nice and I really like him and like obviously rejection sucks and like it feels shitty but he did nothing wrong um and he's actually really great and I hope he has a great life genuinely um (laughs) I don't I don't want to make it seem like this is like a big fucking deal and like he wronged me in any way he didn't um he's really cool I'm just yeah I'm giving context to explain why it feels heavy to like continue the loop of dating and like going around in circles and the versions of my past self inside my head that are like just want to be taken care of and that yeah it's just a lot life is a lot you get older and there's just more things to deal with more history more weight just to sort of explain my reaction I guess or why I feel sad not that I need to it's obvious rejection is sad I know we can all relate to that um so anyways Yeah, just having a little sad girl moment today and wanting to continue dating and putting myself out there. I don't want to stop because it hurts and because it would be easier. Um... I want to, like, keep pushing myself to try new things and be brave you know, I've, I've said that I really want to go to a speed dating event. I think that would be fun and that would be out of my comfort zone. And I hope that like one day I have the courage to like flirt with someone in public. Just like go up to someone at a coffee shop and be like, fuck, you're fucking cute. (laughs) And like, if they reject me, be cool with that. Like I, I hope that that can be me someday. And that I can just, like, continue being braver and braver because I think I was really brave last week. And that felt good to me. That felt like a good step for me. I felt proud of myself. And I don't want the rejection to, like, take away from that feeling because I think that's the part that matters, right? The contentment that I feel about, like, myself and who I am and how I'm acting, who I'm becoming, like, that is the part that feels important here and um yeah I don't want to let a little bit of rejection take away from that (laughs) I was saying this to my mom earlier today because she was like just go hang out at museums and bookstores and you'll find the fucking nerd that you like (laughs) and I was like well that's the thing right like most people when they're like, oh, we're going to go out and meet people. Like, they're talking about going drinking. They're talking about going to bars and clubs and shit. And I hate going to bars and clubs. I don't really like drinking. I don't like loud music. I don't like partying. I don't like doing drugs. Like, I'm not a party girl. And I'm not interested in those types of people. Like, the people that I like are shy, sensitive softies. People that are going to be way too fucking intimidated to ever come up to me. <laughs> So there's also a part of me that knows that like the people that I'm interested in are typically not going to be the ones to hit on me. You know, like I'm attracted to people who are like shy and nerdy and quiet. And so really it is going to be me that's going to have to find the courage to talk to them most of the time. 
And like, I get my mom's energy of being like, just go to a museum. Just go like sit at a museum. (laughs) It's like, I go to museums. It's not like you just like go to a museum and there's like some hot nerd boy waiting there. Just like chomping at the bit to see some bitch with purple hair walk in. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I get the sentiment of like, the type of person that you're going to like is probably not hanging out at these bars and clubs. So just go hang out at like cafe bookstores and museums. <laughs> but it's also just like hilarious. Cause those are not like optimal places to meet someone. If you're like going in, like, you know, you can meet someone anywhere hypothetically, but it's not like people are going to museums being like, yep, we're gonna hit on some ladies today the same way they do with like people go out to bars and they're like yeah I'm trying to get someone's number like people do that um but yeah the people that I'm interested in probably also hate going to bars and clubs the people that I'm interested in probably are also spending a lot of their time at home reading like the people that I want are not there the same way that I'm not there so (laughs) anyways that was sort of a side anecdote from speaking to my mom and just like wanting to put myself out there and talk to more people but who knows I want to be better than okay at rejection maybe or maybe this is the best that it gets maybe I'm always just going to be okay at rejection maybe it is unrealistic to think that someday I could be good at rejection maybe it's just like we're all just okay at it you just got to be brave enough to keep going after it and keep putting yourself in situations where rejection is possible and remembering and reminding yourself that like you are so worthy of love and one person rejecting you isn't an indication of like your lack of worthiness or lovableness it is just an indication of incompatibility and to give one person all that power is just like why would you let somebody else decide who you are and like what how worthy of love you are. It's also like nobody is up on that pedestal. Nobody's better than another person. Like we're all human. Um, everyone's experienced rejection in their life at some point, in some way. Like you just got to keep, keep doing it. And maybe someday being okay at rejection will feel like a good enough place to sit. I'm proud of myself and I like the person that I've become and that I am still becoming. I'm really excited for when I meet the right person. Like really like deeply excited. I'm not going to cry again. We've done enough crying in one day, Maddie. <laughs> but like I, I genuinely, I'm so excited to meet the right person. The love I am looking for is also looking for me and the love I deserve exists because I exist. And those are things that I know and I believe. And, um, yeah, it's okay to be sad also. I'm not trying to, like, rush myself out of feeling sad and disappointed. Um, Those are also fine things to feel. Um, Normal emotions, normal reactions to rejection. You don't have to feel happy about it. (laughs) It's okay to feel sad and disappointment. And it's okay to feel like, God, why? Why can't I just have something easy? Why can't I just, why can't something be for me? It's okay to feel like that. 
you just can't like stay in that feeling because obviously like staying in the why 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 that doesn't help you at all it just makes you feel shittier so not trying to rush out of this feeling I do think that it's best to just like let myself feel everything that I have to feel if bad feelings and thoughts come up where I start feeling like questioning if I'm lovable and whatever else the bad part of my brain wants to do like I think it's fine to let myself feel those things and uh, I know that I can take care of myself and like I know what to say and how to reframe things I know how to self-soothe I'm good at it um I've done it long enough I'm in therapy like I've got a good support system around me I'll be okay it's really not it's not a big deal. It's not personal. Some things just aren't meant to be. And that's okay. In other news, not to totally swing us around in a different direction, but I was at the pool two days ago, three days ago, and you guys will never guess what sibling of a celebrity was at the pool I guess he's kind of a celebrity himself not really though he's really just like a sibling of a celebrity I'll give you five seconds to guess (laughs) five four three two one if you guessed the bonus Jonas (laughs) you'd be correct (laughs) I went to the pool by myself on Sunday because it was my 10 12 year YouTube anniversary. July 10th, 2010 was the day that I made my um my like big YouTube channel, not my first YouTube channel. I made videos with my friends before, but that was when I really started being like Maddie the YouTuber. It's when I like became into it and started doing the damn thing. Um Anyways, I I went to the pool. I bought myself a day pass to a hotel pool to just, like, celebrate and have a day. And um, I was in the pool reading. I, like, read through. I brought two books with me. I finished one of them. And I started on the second one. And when I got out of the pool to get the second one from my bag, because I was reading in the water like a psychopath, (laughs) people came up to me and they were like we're so impressed with your uh like focus you've been like head down in that book the entire time you've been here the one girl was like yeah you clearly don't have ADD and I was like that's I I love when people make strange observations about you like you know I have purple hair if someone's gonna compliment me they're probably gonna say like oh you have fucking sick hair or, you know, the compliment my style. It was interesting to get a compliment that's like, you're so attentive. You know, like you are, you don't get distracted at all. I just watched you sit in this pool and read it, like focused for two hours without, <laughs> without flinching. And I was like, that's a cool compliment. I like being told that you're really attentive. I'm impressed. <laughs> Anyways, I got out of the pool to go get the second book. And Frankie Jonas was sitting right at the edge of the pool steps. And when I saw him, I was like, damn, that guy looks like the bonus Jonas. (laughs) That guy looks like fucking Frankie Jonas. And then I got back to my chair and I was like, 
let me look up Frankie Jonas's tattoos. Like, is that Frankie Jonas? Am I losing it? So I look up Frankie Jonas tattoos. It's fully fucking Frankie Jonas. And I was like, hey, <laughs> the bonus Jonas is here, everybody. Everyone at the pool was like fucking 50 years old. So I was like, I'm probably the only person here that knows that that's the bonus Jonas. Sick. Yeah, I really haven't. I mean, I've lived in New York for like seven years since 2015. So I, you know, I've lived here for long enough that I've had contact. I've run into like a few celebrities, but not a lot. Um, So I still feel like shocked whenever I do run into someone that I do recognize. I think the, the most memorable that I've ever had is I had dinner next to Adam Sandler once we got seated at the table right next to him. And I was like, (laughs) we didn't say anything. (laughs) We didn't want to interrupt his dinner, but it was really weird having to like go through the motions of a dinner with my friend and like act chill when Adam Sandler was right next to us. And you know how close the tables are to each other in New York. Like these restaurants are tight. They're packed in there. So if you're sitting at like a two seater table and you're next to another two seater table, like you're, right fucking there like Adam Sandler was like extending my arm I would have hit him he was like close enough he was on my side too and I was like dude what the fuck that's Adam fucking Sandler this was in 2015 or 2016 too it was the first year that I lived in New York um and since then I really don't think that I've seen a ton of celebrities I walked past Jerry Seinfeld once um I've met Lady Gaga, but that was like at sort of like a meet and greet type thing. It was last minute. She tweeted and was like, hi, I'm at my parents' restaurant signing Joanne albums. And I ran. And that's when I met Lady Gaga. Um, But other than that, I don't know that I've had many other celebrity meeting experiences in New York. I'm probably forgetting some. But now we can add Frankie Jonas to the list. That's the plus of the week may have gotten rejected that's okay because we did see the bonus jonas at the pool hey, 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 hey. <laughs> all in all this episode was actually not supposed to be about rejection at all it just turned into this i guess this is supposed to be a brief life update but then i just started talking about it so now we're here i guess and we fully just fucking Let's do an episode on rejection, eh, right when it's fresh. Happened mere hours ago. <laughs> um, sort of where I'm at right now, where I'm sitting, is just like I obviously feel a little sad. I'll have a sad day or two, and that's fine. Um, ultimately, like it is what it is, and it's for the best because the right person for me is going to be completely and utterly in love head over heels for me, mate. Um, I want someone who thinks I'm the coolest fucking person ever. And uh, if this isn't it, then that's fine. And I'm glad that we figured that out. I'm you know, glad that this person was honest with me. I think that he is uh, pretty spectacular still. Um, obviously, my ego is bruised, but I'll get over it. <laughs> you know what's that corny saying like you could be 
the tastiest fucking most well-made best chocolate cake in the world and there's still gonna be someone who just doesn't like chocolate cake and that's fine you know no harm no foul all we can do is be honest with each other and be kind and move forward and I feel really proud of how brave I have been and um how much I've put myself out there I think like my year of no dating was so helpful to me in so many ways in terms of like getting clearer on what it is that I wanted and my first year back to dating post all of that I think it's been just as transformative for me in terms of like being brave and putting myself out there and doing things that I would have been so scared to do a few years ago I see and feel such a deep transformation in me and like I am so ready for love I'm ready for something great and um like how amazing is that for whenever I do experience love whenever I do meet the person that's right for me like I'm gonna be fucking ready for it And we're going to get to go all in and it's going to be so magical and fantastic. And we weren't the right fit. We figured out that we weren't the right fit. And now the door is open for me to move on and meet someone that does want me and who sees me for all that I am. We've had a day and a week and a life, haven't we? And, um, yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that. I don't have, like, a super pretty, beautiful ending to this. It's just a little, you know, we're having a day. We're, rejection sucks. How else can can you put it? In addition to how absolutely full of life this week was (laughs) in my personal and emotional life, um... It also was a very intense week in the villa, mate. <laughs> We've had an awesome week in Casa Amor. <laughs> we was flirting with all the birds, trying to find... <laughs> Not to totally swing this into the Love Island portion of this episode, but I have so much to talk about. If you've never watched Love Island... You're going to love this. Just keep listening because we've got so much to talk about. I have so much gossip. Just pretend that these are people that you know in your real life. We know them. We go to school with them. And we're about to talk shit, mate. Love Island. We've reached Casa Amor, everybody. Casa Amor. (laughs) Sincerely, Love Island keeps me afloat. It brings me so much joy. These people are off the rails. I love the Brits. I love them, mate. (laughs) If you don't watch Love Island and you don't know what Casa Amor is, this is one of the most demonic ideas, one of the most unhinged ideas to ever be born out of reality TV. Basically, you know, the premise of Love Island, they put a bunch of hot single people in a really expensive villa. Mango is like fighting demons over there. She sees a ghost. Mango, we're talking about Casa Amor, okay? We cannot be fighting ghosts in the kitchen. You're freaking me the fuck out. Um, 
premise of Love Island, right? They put all these hot people in a villa together, like five girls, five guys at the beginning. They keep adding more people. The public votes people out. The Islanders vote people out. Like it's, um, you know, people couple hop, they kiss, they smooch. And the rules of dating in Love Island are very different than those outside in like the real world. So in Love Island, you're coupled up with people. That doesn't mean you're in a relationship. That's just like you're coupling in the villa. And there's recouplings like once a week, pretty much sometimes more or less. I don't know. They're kind of fucking random. I don't really you ever know when they're coming. It's just like you get a feeling of like there's probably a recoupling happening soon. Um, but... Even though being in a couple doesn't mean you're in a relationship, relationship rules apply. So if you're in a couple in Love Island, even if you've only been in a couple for a week, if you start acting crazy, moving mad, as they say, (laughs) and like making out with a bunch of other people, it's still considered cheating. And like people will react as if you have cheated. So halfway through each of the seasons, we get to something called Casa Amor. What Casa Amor is, is basically the producers split the villa in half. They send the boys or the girls to a different villa and bring in a brand new set of girls for the guys and a brand new set of boys for the girls and basically for three days tempt these people to cheat. (laughs) It's so ridiculous it is so ridiculous and it is such good tv to be like all right all the girls you're going to a different expensive villa down the road and we're going to give you a ton of new boys while you're gone we're going to give the guys a ton of new girls we're going to tempt you guys to cheat for the next three days and then we're going to do a recoupling where the girls get to decide if they want to stay in their original couple or pair up with someone they just met, the new villa, and come back to the main villa with everyone else. And the guys get to decide if they want to pair up with a new girl or stick with their original girl. And there's this dramatic ceremony that happens where everyone walks back in one by one and you see, like, did they stay loyal or are they coming back to the villa with a new boyfriend, girlfriend on their arm? So we got to Casa Amor. We got here, we're ready for it, but we were not ready for what happened this week because before Casa Amor, I was like, okay, this season's moving a little slow, like it's been a little bit boring and then Casa Amor happened. At first I was like, there's no way that anything can beat season five Casa Amor because season five is just, season five is the best season of Love Island in my opinion. So if you've never seen Love Island and you want to start off on a high note, watch season five. And at first I was like, this is good, but I don't know if it's season five good. Bro, this was probably the craziest fucking Casa Amor that there ever was. This The amount of drama we're going to get into, the amount of notes that I have. The girls get taken to a new villa. They get taken to Casa Amor. And the boys are at the main villa and new girls get brought in. Right off the bat, these new girls basically want to let Andrew know from the outside looking in, babes. Tasha just doesn't like you that much. All right? It's time to pack your bags and keep it moving, mate. You look like a fucking mug. (laughs) And immediately they all get in Andrew's head and he starts believing like everyone else's opinion about him and Tasha. Um, And ultimately he gives us the revenge plot line that we've all kind of been waiting for. Um, Not that I'm 
team Tasha or that I'm a Tasha defender in the same way that I'm an Ekin Sue defender. I, I agree that I don't think Tasha's really that into Andrew. I think it's more a match of convenience. It's the best that they have in the villa. Like they, there's nobody else that Tasha would want to be with. So she ends up picking Andrew, um, to avoid being alone. But I don't think that Tasha is really impressed by Andrew or really genuinely is enthralled by him. I would agree. Do I also think it's unfair because it is still early days? Yes. But again, we're, we're functioning off of love Island rules, not real life rules. Um, so immediately Andrew is like talking to other, the new girls that come into the villa. He's immediately like interested in getting to know other women and starts giving us their revenge plot line since he was irritated that Tasha went on a date with Charlie and, has entertained other men that have entered the villa that were interested in her. Um, Which, to be honest, I think makes Andrew look equally as suspect as Tasha. I think this whole time he's been trying to like push the I'm a victim to Tasha narrative and I'm just this sweet little innocent boy. And I think this has blown up his spot entirely because he's now doing the same exact thing that Tasha did. So it's either both okay or neither of it is okay. Um, but you need to decide. And I don't think that he has decided. Um, because truly, I think they're both doing the same thing to each other. Just sort of enjoying what they have in the villa because they're the best option in the villa. Not that they would actually pick each other if other options were on the table for either of them. So, yeah. Right off the bat, Andrew's talking to other girls in the new villa. Um, Tasha is also doing the same, to be fair. So they're both sort of doing the same thing to each other. However, things escalate. So just let's wait. Let's wait and we'll get there. But right now, same page. Both doing the same thing to each other. Moving on to a different couple. Let's talk about fucking Dami in India. Because first fucking night, Dami kisses one of the new girls in the villa. Um, which is unfucking believable because he is with India, who is without a doubt the biggest catch on the fucking show. Um, She's super hot. She's really funny. She's down to earth. She's like the most normal person on the show. And Dami somehow got her and is now going to kiss a different girl when she hasn't even been out of the villa for a full 24 hours. Yeah, impressively fucking stupid impressively stupid I was kind of shocked (coughs) not that I thought Dami was like the king of all kings but I kind of had hope that he was gonna stay loyal to India but boy was I wrong boy was I wrong so yeah Dami kissed another girl on the first fucking night and There's so much to talk about. But the worst guys in Casa are, without a doubt, Dami and Jax. It is unfucking believable the way the two of them acted. And we will get into it. We've got more to preface with before I get into it. But I want to get into it so badly because I want to fist fight these men. I want to go into the villa and fucking rip them out by the fucking collar of their shirts. You're in a lot of trouble. What in the fuck are you doing on TV? Holy shit. Um, Yeah, so Dami kisses another girl. Looks like a fucking idiot. 
just big idiot energy. We're having a bad time. And really all of the guys are flirting with other women besides Luca. Luca is the only one actually staying loyal. The rest of them are sort of fucking around, flirting with other girls. Meanwhile, they're all in couples besides Jay, who is in a friendship couple with Danica. The rest of them are technically in couples that are they're exploring a relationship with. So, yeah, off the bat, day one, it was not looking good for any of them. Dami ended up fighting with Luca, like calling Luca fake. And I think the only explanation for that is because Dami knew he fucked up and he felt embarrassed that he kissed another girl and betrayed India. And instead of acknowledging that and looking within himself and being like, I fucked up, I'm a fucking idiot loser. He started to double down on what he did and defend his actions and then call Luca fake because Luca was staying loyal to Gemma while also like egging the boys on, which I get a little bit because I do think it's also an asshole move to like egg other guys on to cheat in the way that Luca was. Um, I can't wait for movie night. That's all I'll say because if I was Gemma, and I saw Luca egging a ton of guys on to cheat, I would be irritated. I would be mad. I'd be like, okay, so it's it's bad enough that you won't do it to me, but not bad enough that you won't call your friends out for shitty behavior. You're going to encourage your friends to act like dicks, even though you wouldn't do it. Or are you just on TV? So you want to like keep a good image. But really, if you were out at the club with your boys, you would be egging them on and they'd be egging you on too. Like, I don't know. I feel a little suspect of that. But I do think that Dami starting a fight with Luca all came from his own insecurity of like reflecting or rather the lack of reflection, lack of the ability to reflect on his actions and just feeling like insecure because there was a boy in the villa acting in the way that he probably should have been acting but wasn't. Meanwhile, in the girls' villa, all of them are being pretty timid. Uh, This is how it normally is, right? The women are always significantly more loyal than the men are. Um, And sometimes they'll, you know, they'll have a few conversations. They'll dip their toe in. They'll experiment a little bit. But rarely do we ever see the women in Casa Amor going fucking ham the way that the men do. So over in Casa Amor with the girls, it's just like typical standard conversations, getting to know you type stuff. Nothing too crazy is happening. They're definitely not making out with each other the first night. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not doing that. Meanwhile, in the boys' villa, let's talk about Sir Jax. Let's talk about what the fuck Jax is doing. Because Jax and Paige have been all coupled up, all lovey-dovey, just a week before. He was on the stairs, like, tearing up because he had been so vulnerable with Paige about how he felt about her and just is, is scared of getting hurt and bbdb, whatever the fuck that man said. And now, literally has been away from Paige for less than 24 hours. And he is over here saying that he will kiss other girls and do whatever he wants and take the consequences and be like, I'll just deal with it. I'll take the consequences of whatever Paige is going to say to me. Like we're having a boys weekend, mate. We're going there. This is for the lads. We're going crazy. And just saying that he'll take whatever consequences come 
for him when Paige gets back to the villa and all the other boys are like laughing their fucking asses off. Like this is the funniest shit they've ever heard, which is scary to me. I, I feel deeply afraid of men who act like that, who like can hear their friend being like, yeah, mate, I'm going to cheat on my fucking girl. And they're all like, oh, yeah, you a lad's lad, mate. Like what in the fuck are you guys on about? Sincerely, what in the fuck are you guys on about? It blows my mind that people genuinely act like that. Like, um, I don't know. Maybe I've just gotten so lucky and I have great friendships and people that are like genuinely give a shit about me and I give a shit about them. But when my friends do stupid shit, like if my friends were going to cheat on their significant others, if they did, do you really think that I would sit there and laugh it off and be like, oh my God, crazy times. Absolute the fuck not. Absolute the fuck not. I would be sitting there like, dude, why the fuck would you do that? Let's talk about it. Let's figure out some solutions here. But like, come on. If like, why are you egging your friends on to cheat? You're a weirdo for that. If any of my friends were ever like, yeah, I'm just going to make out with whoever I want and fuck the consequences of my relationship while we were on a girl's trip. I'd be like, all right, babe, let's talk about this. Do you really like that man? Because why the fuck are you trying to cheat on him? Let's not do that. Don't look like a fucking fool because you're on a vacation. Like if you have a good relationship, why are you going to fuck that up to make out with some rando? And if you really are interested in some rando, then let's reflect on if you want to be in this relationship at all. But I don't know if like people just don't have that ability to like, let's take a step back and use our brains here. But I just, it's maybe it's not even the lack of reflection that pisses me off, but it's the laughing. And the encouragement of like, oh, it's so funny. It's so funny that we're going to deeply fuck with this woman's ability to trust. Why is that funny to you? Like, it, it genuinely scares me that you could ever listen to someone be like, yeah, fuck my girl. I'm just going to make out with a ton of bitches this week. And you're like, yeah, like what? Seek help. Go to therapy. That is not fucking normal. What the fuck? What the fuck? These people struggle with empathy. And so that was happening in the main villa. And I was like, this is not going to go well. And just in general, the way that the boys in the villa were talking about women, both the original girls and the new girls in Casa Moore, it was like impressively nasty. It was astoundingly nasty, particularly Dami and Jax. I think they were both just speaking so disrespectfully like not even getting to their actions which were also incredibly disrespectful but their words alone were so disrespectful like it is shocking to me that people who like women can talk about women like that you know you're scary I fear for you I fear you in general I fear anyone being around you I don't think you're like a safe person I and I say particularly Jackson Dami because I think they were both doing the bulk of it like they were both being like supreme douches and they were doing a lot of the talking and saying the shitty things but that does not excuse the other guys because in my opinion if you're sitting around and listening to other guys disrespect women like that and doing and saying nothing I think you're kind of just as fucking bad. 
you're just as awful just because you're not the one saying it like if you're not sticking up and telling your friends that they're fucking stupid and like calling them out when they're acting like idiots and like defending women if you're just gonna sit there quietly while they're saying vile things about the women that they claim to care about yeah I think you're kind of a piece of shit too to be honest how disappointing is that this is why I can't wait for movie night because I don't know I kind of feel like Gemma might be pissed off at Luca for how passive he was being with the other guys and how he's laughing at their jokes and if Gemma actually gives a fuck about the other girls she would be mad because if I was dating someone and their friends were dating my friends and I watched videos of my friends boyfriends being super disrespectful and I saw my boyfriend sitting there like (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'd be like holy shit you are a fucking moron and I want you to stay far away from me I don't trust you why the fuck would you act like that like I I would just no if I was there for movie night and saw even the way that Luca acted who stayed loyal to Gemma but encouraged his friends I would not trust him if I was Gemma but I'm interested. I'm interested to see how Gemma will react to that. Because I don't know if she's really, you know, people say they're girls, girls. But at the end of the day, are you really a girls, girl? Don't know. Going to have to wait and see on that one. <laughs> um, meanwhile, while the Jax is sitting there being like, yeah, I'm just going to kiss a bunch of other girls and deal with the consequences later. Paige is sitting in Casa Moore talking to Gemma being like, I just am not interested in all of these other guys because I think that Jax is perfect and he has no red flags and we're just, things are going so good. We're going strength to strength. <laughs> it's going so well. We have no red flags. <laughs> Meanwhile, that man is slandering you that man is dragging your name through the mud just a few doors over and you've been gone for 24 hours this man doesn't even see you as a person let alone a partner what the fuck (laughs) and you know what i hate to say this but i did write a note here that says that love island in some capacity in some fucked up twisted way seems to soothe my anxiety a little because it makes me feel better that even the hottest bitches on this planet are dealing with men like this. (laughs) Even the hottest bitches ever are being disrespected. I hate that for them and I feel so sorry, but there is some part of me that's like, well, thank God it isn't just me. Um, so Jax is talking to other girls in the villa. So is Dami. So is Andrew. So is Davide. Uh, all of them were getting physical with those girls. We're kissing them. We're cuddling them in the same bed at night. Meanwhile, the girls in the other villa are all being incredibly respectful. The girls were really just like loosely getting to know these people. And the guys were like full on hooking up <laughs> and like cheating. <laughs> in love island terms right these people aren't in relationships yet but they have been dating and seeing and hanging out with each other every single day for the last five weeks so at this point anything it's all fucking off the table right if i was seeing someone and we were constantly making out and cuddling and perhaps even doing more than that for five weeks straight 24 hours a day we were with each other yeah at that point we're in a serious relationship even if we're not being labeled like that's 
that's more time than people would usually get on the outside because you're not with people 24 seven. So like maybe, you know, you've been dating someone for two months, but you only see each other once a week and then you make things official. You've probably actually spent less face to face time with each other than these people in the villa have at this point. Like they've spent every day, 24 hours a day with each other for the last five weeks. So Really, there should be some more respect going on here. There should be a little bit more. Like, let's be delicate and let's be respectful happening. And oh my God, we just got none of that. So, Cass is a mess. The boys are all cheating. They're all hooking up. The only boy who stayed completely loyal is Luca. Every other boy was off doing his own thing. So, it was a mess. It was a hot fucking mess. And, um... So then we get to the recoupling. We get to the moment where each couple gets to walk in one by one and see, like, did we stay loyal to each other or did we bring back new people? So, you know, first we had Danica and Jay, which Danica and Jay were in a friendship couple. So they both obviously came back and recoupled with new people. They were fine. Whatever. Then I believe we had Ekansu and Davide. And they both stayed loyal as well. Davide did kiss some other girls in the villa that has not come out yet, really. Um, It came out that Davide was like loosely talking to another girl, but I don't think Ekin really knows the extent of it yet. But Davide and Ekin Sue are still together. They both came in and they were loyal. Then we get to Dami in India. So Dami recoupled with a girl named Summer and India also recoupled with a guy called Deji. Now this is not an equal pass off here. This is a totally different experience between the two of them because Dami was spending his little lad's holiday making out with Summer and being totally disrespectful to India in the way that he spoke about her, the jokes he was making, the fact that he was making out with other women the first day that she was gone. It was unbelievable. India did not kiss Deji even once. She was not physical with him. Uh, There was no cuddling, no kissing, no nothing. She was just simply speaking to and getting to know this man. She brought Deji back to the villa, not to be like, fuck you, Dami, but to be like, I'm exploring my options. I'm not tied down. I am not this man's girlfriend. Like, I obviously still want to be respectful to him, but like, let me bring Deji back and like explore that connection as well, which would be fine for Dami to be mad about if he didn't do everything that he did. If Dami was sitting there by himself, didn't recouple, and had spent the whole week being loyal, it would be fair for him to be like irritated that she even brought someone back, even if they didn't make out with each other, you know? But Dami was doing the most all fucking week. So he doesn't get to be mad that India brought a guy back when what he was doing was 10 times worse than what India did. But what really got me mad is when they were recoupling and um, they were like, India, how do you feel? And she was like, you know, it is what it is. Um, Was being pretty respectful to Dami. And then Dami just goes, until it isn't. I was like, I'm going to jump through the screen and fight that man. Shut your mouth. Why are you mad? Like, why was Dami sitting there being rude to India when he also recoupled? 
He recoupled with Summer and then got so fucking mad, was clearly very hurt when India walked in with Deji. And it's like, you did the same thing. How are you going to act mad and act like you're the victim when you did the same thing? Which is a recurring theme among these guys. So let's fucking keep going here. Then we got um, Andrew and Tasha. Andrew recoupled. Andrew recoupled with a girl named Coco. And Tasha recoupled with a guy named Billy. Now, it's the same thing. Like, she walked in and Andrew was fucking pissed. Like, he was so mad that she came in and recoupled. It's like, these guys, it seems like they were sitting there just, like, really coupling up for the sheer purpose of trying to humiliate these women. Because if you coupled up, why are you mad that they also coupled up? Wouldn't that be ideal if you genuinely were interested in someone else and like knew that that connection was better than the one that you originally had in the villa? Wouldn't you be happy that they came back with another person because you're like, great, this worked out for the best. Like I get to focus on this new person who I feel like I have a better connection with and they get to focus on the person that they feel like they have a better connection with. No harm, no foul here. Like no hard feelings. Um, But instead, Andrew got super mad about it as if he had been double crossed which I don't get it if he wanted to play the victim he should have just stayed single and not made out with women in the villa you know like if he wanted to be like I'm Tasha's victim this woman has been so mean to me the entire time we've been in the villa and I love her so much and I'm just totally infatuated with her and she is slagging me off If you wanted to act like that, if you wanted to be the victim, if you just wanted to have your sad boy moment, then you should have showed up alone. (laughs) But you didn't. So what are you mad about? Like you did the same fucking thing. And then, of course, we had Gemma and Luca came in. They were reunited. Everything was fine. And then, of course, at the very end, we've got Paige and Jax. Now, if you watched season seven, Love Island, what is happening with Paige and Jax feels very reminiscent of what happened with a couple in season seven. Um, it felt like we were getting Millie and Liam 2.0 and I was not happy about it because I hated Liam last season. I wanted to reach the screen and strangle that man as well. So Jax decides to not couple up with either of the two new girls that he had been flirting with, which is exactly what Liam did last season flirted with a ton of other girls, kissed, cuddled, totally betrayed the person he's in a couple with, doesn't recouple. So then Paige walks into the villa. She's alone. She sees Jax standing there alone. So she has that moment of like, oh my God, he stayed loyal to me. And how fucking evil, sick, and twisted is it that she has to experience that moment of hope of being like, oh my God, he stayed loyal, when in fact, that man did nothing of the sort. That man was perhaps the least loyal of everyone in the villa. (laughs) Jax, to me, was the worst. He was the most disrespectful. He was the most off the rails. And maybe that's just because of, like, the way that he was treating Paige before Casa as well. I felt like he was, like... Paige and Jax were going really well. I saw them winning the whole thing before Casa. Now I would literally like against my dead body. 
fucking over my dead body would I let them win not that it is even up to me because I'm not a part of the British public so I can't vote point is point of what I'm saying here is is that like they it seemed like they had a shot to win before Casa oi 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 so Paige comes in she thinks that everything is great he stayed loyal and um so just like last season they asked the other girls that were from Casa that didn't get picked like what are you feeling what did you think and one of them, I believe her name was Cheyenne, stepped forward and was like, yeah, I'm shocked I didn't get picked because I've been, you know, talking to someone all week and I had a connection with someone all week that we've been exploring and we've kissed and stuff. And yeah, so I'm shocked that they didn't pick me. And they're like, who? And she goes, Jax. <laughs> and of course, we have this dramatic moment where Paige is like, no fucking shot. She looks at him and I was like, if looks could kill babes if looks could kill it was crazy and at this point I'm like god I hope that Paige like has enough sense and enough strength to like actually put her foot down and not accept this because his behavior was totally unacceptable and I hope that it doesn't get brushed under the rug the way that it did last season with Millie and Liam um, because it was hard to watch so meanwhile Jax is going on about how like you know Casa Moore was a test and ultimately he thinks that he passed the test because he chose to stay coupled up with Paige which this is backwards thinking because yes Casa Moore is a test it is a relationship test however if you cheated you failed the test <laughs> But that man really sees it as like the test part of the test was cheating. Like he was like, well, I had to cheat in order to know if I liked you or not. <laughs> I had to fucking do shit with other women to just make sure that I really liked you. <laughs> and he's like, I still picked you. So I passed the test. You are so fucking dumb. <laughs> That's not part of the test. Passing the test would have meant not cheating. Passing the test doesn't mean cheating and then deciding you like your main girl better. <laughs> it's so funny because it's so ridiculous and like anyone with a brain would know that. But these he's struggling. There's nothing going on with their babe. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. The bar is in hell inside that villa. We need to get those women out of there. It's so bad. So let's pause on Jax for a second and let's go back to Andrew and Tasha. So Andrew and Tasha start talking to each other again, catching up post Casa. And Andrew, in his first conversation with Tasha, basically admits to only recoupling with Coco to make Tasha mad. And he doesn't really give a shit about Coco. Now, you know, Coco's been in the villa for two days. I don't feel particularly attached to Coco. I'm not here ready to be a Coco defender. But... I feel fucking sorry for that girl because she's done absolutely nothing wrong and she's just like got caught in the crossfire and now Andrew has brought her into this and is recoupled with her when he says that he doesn't see a future with her to Tasha even though he's been really flirty and like all over Coco to her face for the last few days. The only reason he coupled up with Coco was to make Tasha mad basically which is super shitty. You're an asshole for that. And Andrew is basically like saying to Tasha that he still wants to continue getting to know her despite him coupling up with Coco and her coupling up with Billy. What? What is happening? So conversations are happening across the villa. 
Paige and Jax are talking and Paige is doing a great job of standing up for herself and being like, you are not getting away with acting like this. Um, she's like trying to have a conversation with Jax and he's like really being a big fucking baby when he's the one who acted like this. Like you made your bed now fucking lie in it. Like she was sitting there trying to have a conversation with him and he was huffing and puffing like, Oh, you just don't get it. You just bringing like being sort of like a little bit defensive, more defensive than he should have been like in a situation where he should just be like apologizing up and down. Um, and Paige outright tells him stop huffing and puffing when she's asking questions. She was asking him questions about like what he did, how many times he kissed, like what, what the extent of speaking to the other girls looked like. And he was like, you know, getting real emotional and like huffing and puffing as if these were unreasonable things for her to ask. Getting defensive instead of apologizing and being sincere when he claims to like really regret what he did and really give a shit about Paige and then he has an opportunity to show that and he's just continuing to act like a fucking 13-year-old. And then he starts crying, which feels manipulative. It feels very manipulative to you're the one who fucked up you're the one who wasn't loyal and who looks like an asshole and you're crying and Paige was like trying to explain like this shouldn't have happened you shouldn't have done this you should have treated me like this and again he's he's being defensive and rude and he goes fine then you deserve better than sweet what what kind of response is that and then Paige is like then why couldn't you have just been better and that made me so sad for her she made me like she broke my heart a little bit in these conversations because she's doing a good job standing up for herself but I can also see that she's like you know she's really sad and she really likes him and yeah it just sucks for her I hope the page wins she's who I'm rooting for right now I think that I can see her winning I think she's she has sort of like the winner storyline right now so then moving on to Dami in India who weren't really speaking for the first day that they got back and then they did speak and Dami didn't apologize once and he hit her with the so are you just done with me then like possibly one of the most immature things to say to someone after you fucking you were the one that cheated you both came back with someone yeah but one of you was doing it up in the villa okay and it wasn't India I'll tell you that So, yeah, Dami hit her with the, so, like, what, are you done with me then? After not apologizing even once, it was fucking insane. So, right now, I'm rooting on the downfall of Jackson Page and Dami in India. Tremendously. Because I think both India and Page deserve way better than how both of those boys treated them inside that villa. It was crazy. It was buck wild bonkers out of control you should have seen it what in the hell were we watching then okay we're at the end of Casa Amor now there's like one more thing that we need to talk about I can't believe this this is when I, this Casa Amor was already really good already very dramatic but this is when it turned into my favorite Casa Amor <laughs> Tasha and Andrew We're talking on the terrace. Andrew is continuing to play victim and act like he's done nothing wrong when they both recoupled. And then Tasha calls him out for playing the victim and acting like he's some angel that has done nothing wrong the course of them getting to know each other, which I loved. He deserved to be called out. Then, (laughs) 
<laughs> While that conversation is happening, Coco, the girl that Andrew coupled up with, is having a conversation with the other Casa more girls and the other Casa more boys. So none of the people in the main villa. So there's not like a ton of friendship connections there. Coco is talking to them and she lets it slip that Andrew sucked on her titties. <laughs> so the first night of Casa Amore, when Tasha had been gone for less than 24 hours, Andrew was sucking on Coco's titties. All right, let's think about this. Let's unpack what we just learned. What is going on? I, the way that I gasped, the way that my jaw was on the floor. Sucking on titties? What season is it? Season fucking one? Like, if you've seen all the seasons of Love Island UK, you know that in the earlier seasons, they were full on having orgies back then. Like, they were sucking and fucking all throughout seasons one and two. And then it stopped because the public backlash got really huge. They obviously cracked down a lot with the way that they run Love Island as seasons went on because it was just unreasonable what was happening. And like, like I'll, I'll never forget how fucking insane it was. I think it was in season two that Miss Great Britain was on Love Island and she got dethroned, dethroned mid season because she had sex. <laughs> it's so bad. It was so awful. I felt so bad for her, but like, that's what we're working with here. Earlier seasons of Love Island were crazy. They were sucking and fucking. And then it stopped happening. It went away and it turned into like a, people were still having sex on Love Island and they still do, but it's way more discreet now. They don't show it on screen the way that they used to. And usually it's like one of those things like you see people go under the covers and then maybe the next day they like hint that something happened, but people don't really directly talk about hooking up the way that they did in the earlier seasons of Love Island. So when Coco comes out and is like, Andrew sucking on my titties the first night, I was like, yo, we haven't had something like this in a long time. What the fuck is happening? Especially because Andrew was trying so hard to play victim. He was so committed to being the one in the right in that dynamic that Tasha was the one that was in the wrong and hurting him when it was like, yo, listen, Tasha might not be that into you and she might be exploring other options, but she for sure was not doing donuts on somebody else's nipples. <laughs> Coco lets it slip out in like a group of people and then pulls Andrew to the side and is like, yo, I'll be honest. I just let this one slip. <laughs> Andrew was ready to take that to his grave. Andrew was not going to tell that to Tasha. He was never going to bring that up. We as the public never would have known that Andrew was sucking on Coco's nips had she not let loose. And thank God she did. God bless Coco. I hope you have a great life. I hope you find someone that loves you. What the fuck? What's going on? So once Coco tells Andrew, yeah, I let it slip. There's some people in the villa that know you were sucking on my neep knops. <laughs> then he's like, all right, fuck, sweet. He's like, all right, sweet. <laughs> goes and pulls Tasha for a chat at this point Andrew has admitted to Tasha that he you know made out with Coco they had a little kiss or two here and there 
nothing major, nothing too crazy. And he has to go back to Tasha and basically be like, yeah. So I did leave something out. Yes. Um, Coco and I, we did make out and cuddle and do all those things. Yep. We were doing that when you were gone. Um, additionally, her nipples have been in my mouth. I don't know how that happened, but it is something I checked off my Love Island to-do list. <laughs> and so naturally, Tasha is like, yo, you crossed a fucking line. And so then Tasha's crying. She's going over to the other girls talking about how betrayed she feels, how awful this is. Cause it is, it's horrible. And Coco's sitting in on those conversations too. And Coco gives an additional piece of information, which is that not only did Andrew suck on her titties, but the whole time he was saying nasty shit in her ear, saying that he wanted to ruin her. He wanted to fuck her shit up. He wanted to ruin you. I want, I want to ruin you. I want to ruin you. Ruin? I want to ruin you. While sucking on some other girl's nip-nops. What is happening? Holy shit. The boys are like not taking it that seriously. They're kind of laughing. Davide makes it. Tasha yells like, you're a liar. And then Davide is like, hey, that's my line. And the boys start laughing at it. And they're like, this is not funny. Like, it's not a time to make a joke. Like, this is like fucking serious. And whatever I get it's a joke but at the same time I'm like with what we just saw in Casa more and how blatantly disrespectful and dismissive all these men were of what these women were gonna feel because of what they were doing like they were not thinking about their emotions whatsoever so the jokes were in poor taste and the fact that any of them were laughing was pissing me off because I was like come on have you not put these girls through enough what the fuck and that's where the episode ends (laughs) That is where the fucking episode ends. <laughs> Tasha's crying. Andrew sucked on Coco's nipples. See you guys next week. What the fuck? And meanwhile, up until now, Tasha has been painted as the villain. And like I said, I'm not a Tasha defender in the same way that I claim to be an Ek and Sue defender. But I don't think Tasha has done a lot wrong, to be honest. I like Tasha. I always have. I don't think... I don't think she likes Andrew. I don't think they're right for each other, but I don't think that she's really done anything wrong. So that's where we're at. And now we're on to week six and things are only getting crazier. I cannot wait for movie night, which if you don't know, movie night is basically when they take clips of Casa Amor and show them to everybody in the villa. Yeah. So anyways, that's the episode. Um, Had no idea that this is what I was going to talk about today. I honestly was supposed to tell the story of my first kiss. And then I ended up just talking about my feelings (laughs) and what's happening in my life today. So um, a little spur of the moment for me. Didn't know I was going to do that. But um yeah, following my heart, I guess, is what I, I guess this is just what I needed to talk about today. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, again, follow the Emotionally Online Instagram at Emotionally Online Pod. Uh, that's where all of my updates for the show will be slowly but surely. I'm still mainly posting on my main Instagram about it, but um, yeah, 
at some point emotionally online pod will be the number one place to find anything and everything to do with the podcast um and that's it for today's episode so i love you guys so much thank you so much for listening and i will see you next week bye